Welcome to the latest episode of the I Need to Effing Talk to You podcast. I'm Russell Stratton. And I'm Ken Cameron. If you're a leader who is serious about building your leadership skills and transforming your organizational culture, you are in the right place. In this special Christmas episode, we need to effing talk to ourselves. Hooray! Hooray! We have a series of quick-fire Christmas-related questions that we're going to ask ourselves. Also, you can use at your Christmas party or event. So we'll be posting these on social media leading up to this episode so that you can uh, take part and uh, share them with your friends and colleagues. So off we go, Ken. First question for you. Have you ever re-gifted a present? Frequently, but usually I re-gift it by taking it to Value Village or to some other place like that. In fact, usually it actually stays in my basement for a decade before it actually makes its way to Value Village or to wherever else that re-gifting place might be. And usually those are gifts that are from my mother or some other relative that are just completely inappropriate to my style. But I feel so guilty that I can't just re-gift them to someone. And they're also not in the style of any of my friends either. So I can't re-gift them to anybody for that reason either. But I can't throw them away. So they just end up sitting stored in my basement, driving my wife nuts until finally after a decade, I say, I think enough time has passed. I can now guilt-free donate it to a charity. Okay, so How about well, as you can explain, if I've been through Value Village and think, oh my God, what's this? Then I know, I now know where it's come from. But uh, yes, I have, and unfortunately, gifted it back to somebody the following year. And I think I might have gifted it back to the same person because <laughs> they sort of had a slightly knowing look. Which also got me thinking that they probably re-gifted it from somebody else as well. So it might we might have just been gifting it backwards and forwards to each other um, over that particular period of time. I don't know. In my mind, it's like an ancient fruitcake that just keeps getting passed around from family to family, but never actually eaten, and it also never goes moldy because it's fruitcake. Yeah, could 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 will could will be could will be. <laughs> well, Russell, have you ever returned a present? that you did not like, which someone gave you, for a store credit. Oh, yeah, 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 absolutely. Um, Normally we're quite open about it. And in in our family, we'll often with things, we'll keep a receipt if we buy something that we're like a bit of a chance, you're not entirely sure whether someone's going to like it so that they don't feel embarrassed about saying they want to take it back because there's nothing worse, uh, particularly I found with with kids, if you bought them something and they didn't like it and then they sort of sit there with that awkward moment of trying to say, oh, that's nice, and they know they don't like it. So we've always kept the receipts and on the odd occasion, we need to take something back that we don't do it. Yeah, you know, I've uh, always taken it back for a store credit. And in fact, it was encouraged in our family in the same way. It's like, oh, I've got the receipt. You can give it away. But because I now live so far away from my parents on the other side of the country, they, we've actually stopped even doing that. And they just give me a check and say, here, go buy something that you actually want and that you're actually going to use, which means then that it's actually not something that I want, but something that we want together, my wife and I. So it ends up being, you know, a Christmas gift for the two of us rather than, or we pool our little presents that my, my parents have given us and we, we buy something together so that it's for the both of us. Oh, all right. That sounds a nice idea. Uh, sounds a nice idea. Yeah, but eminently practical, right? Eminently practical. Like, let's just not even bother to to pretend that you're not going to return it to the store. <laughs> yeah, let's just cut out the middleman, just go and go and buy something that we like and then say it was from you. Yeah, I think that's quite a good, quite a good idea. So, Ken, what would your elf name be? Squidgy. 
Okay, I don't know if I need. I don't know if our listeners need to know why we would be called Squidgy, Ken. Probably like because I'd have snow in my boots. I'd, I'd have snow in my boots that would go squidge, 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 and I'd be like the clumsy elf that keeps falling down in the snow and is like squishy, squidging, squishying his way through the through the North Pole. What about you? What would your elf name be? Alan. <laughs> Yeah, of course it would. Of course it would. It would be Alan. I kind of picture you as the parental elf that Bob Newhart played in the movie Elf, where you'd be like, you know, the uh, the 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 older, wiser, but you know, careful of everyone's everyone's feelings. Elf. Yeah, no, no, it's going to be Alan, and that that comes from a a, a guy I used to work with who who had a dog that was called Alan. So when people used to come round, and uh, he'd say, "Oh, don't worry," they're like first time they've been to his house or something, and they go, "Oh, don't, Alan will be down in a moment." And people used to think Alan was like his his housemate um, until the dog came down. So he had a dog called Alan. So I thought well, that would be that would have to be my elf name. Uh, yeah, Alan. Yeah. <laughs> you've I'm you've really like. thought through these answers far better than I have. Like you you really got these on the tri- on the tip of your tongue, tripping their way off. Whereas yeah. I'm just making shit up as I go along here. This is it's awful. Just, Sadly so, sadly so. So, um, Have you ever lied and told someone that their present was still in the mail when really you had not bought it yet? No, no. I would. I think I just like will fess up and say, I didn't think to get you a present. Well, that's, 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 good. that's good of you, Ken, because I have to admit I have done on occasion. So I think I may be on Santa's naughty list. Because I have on occasion, it's in the in the mail, but a bit, a bit like a you know thing we used to say that at work most of the time. Yeah, it's been it's been mailed out to you, and then and then go and do it because you realise it hadn't been done. So, uh, yeah, can't get away with that now when everything's electronic. It's not as easy, not as easy to do. Well, I think I have done that electronically where I've like said, oh, yeah, no, I've done that email. I've done that. Let, let me just go into the let me just go into my inbox and see if I can find it somewhere. And then I would frantically, you, you know, compose the email and then say, oh, I found it. Here it is. It's, for some reason, it didn't go out. Oh, the Internet. You know, I th- so I think I've done that. But I don't think I've done it with an actual physical present and blamed poor old Canada Post for my for my laggardness. No, no, no. They get blamed. get blamed enough as it is without without making shit up for them. So there we are. So now, is there a Christmas carol that gets stuck in your head? All of them, all of them get stuck in my head. I was in the grocery store on the weekend, and there was the Christmas music playing in the grocery store, and I found myself immediately humming that song within like less than a minute of having been in the store. And I was so uh, uh, offended at the colonization of my brain that I quickly pulled out my earbuds and put on some, some good old South, uh, you know, American funk and uh, from the old South and just let that play in my ears to drown out the Christmas music. Oh, right. So you just, you were trying to that music as it was. Yeah. Yeah, it was whatever Muzak Christmas Carol it was in the in the co op grocery store. But yeah, it was uh, it was um, it's ubiquitous. And then, like you know, once you hear one song, it's in there for good. What about you? Do you find those Christmas carols get stuck in your ear? It, it's not. It's not so much the Christmas carols. It's probably the Christmas songs. I don't know whether you'd um, had it here this side of the Atlantic. But um, there was always the uh, the wizard song. I wish it could be Christmas every day, and then there would be Merry Christmas Everybody by Slade, um, and these were both from the seventies and in the UK regularly played continuously on the radio um, around the Christmas time. 
and every Christmas party they used to be played. So if if you are a North American listener and you have not listened to these songs, don't don't rush don't rush out now and type these into your Spotify or <laughs> and or iTunes and start listening to them because once you get the tune in your head, they will be there forever. So um, yeah, but that's whenever it comes around to Christmas. Those those two songs will always come into my mind. I'm a bit like that character, um, Hugh Grant's character in one of those uh, Christmas movies, where his um, his father was a music composer, and like he's now just living off of the royalties of his father's like big Christmas hit. And there's this one scene where he walks into the grocery store, and there's the song of his of his father's um, Christmas Carol playing. And he's he's had such a traumatic relationship with his father that as soon as he hears his father's Christmas hit in like November, he just goes to bed for six weeks. Because he just can't handle hearing that song anymore. I'm that guy. Like where I walk into the where I walk into the grocery store, I hear that Christmas music, and I'm like, oh my god, it started. It's only November. It's time for me to go to bed and put the pillow over my head for the rest of the Christmas season. Yeah, well, it does start to seem to start earlier every year, doesn't it? The minute the Halloween stuff is off the shelf, the Christmas stuff is coming on the shelf. So it's sort of beginning of November, and it's already started. So you can imagine if you ever. If you haven't heard that song, Ken, maybe maybe under supervision or something, you could be allowed to listen to one of them, and then you will think about that starting at the beginning of November every year. So with a Slade or Wizard, just tie them in Christmas, but do it at your own risk. There we are, listeners. Do it at your own risk. I don't want to uh, have people writing in, complaining that they've been traumatized because of these uh, these Christmas tunes. I think by under supervision, you mean you're going to like tie me to a chair, like a, tying Odysseus to the mast or something like that, just so that I won't like rip the rip the room apart trying to turn off the radio. Okay, all right. Yeah. Um, well, <laughs> Russell, what Christmas themed food do you think is the grossest? Oh, oh that's e- e- easy. Uh, Brussels sprouts, the devil's vegetable. Okay, okay, that's curious. I'm a fan of the devil's vegetable myself, but for you, it's just a and and I don't particularly think of it as a Christmas themed vegetable. I'm uh, I'll have Brussels sprouts at many times of the year. So uh, sorry to gross you out with that concept. I'm sorry to hear that you are against the much maligned Brussels sprouts. Now they they brought out at Christmas. My, my father, my late father, he would have one Brussels sprout a year at Christmas. I don't know why he would just have one. He didn't like Brussels sprouts, but he sort of get into the spirit of it and would then complain about it. So, uh, yes, the devil's vegetables. Well, as you, if you're a Brussels sprout fan, then absolutely I'm going to have to uh, have you restrained whilst you listen to Slade and Wizard Christmas songs and, while eating and, Brussels and sprouts. And feed me yeah. while eating Brussels sprouts, exactly. <laughs> exactly, yeah. Uh-huh. yeah. I think I already answered mine when I referenced the uh, the fruitcake that gets passed around from family to family and never seems to go never seems to go moldy. <laughs> So I think I've I think I've referenced mine. It was, and I remember I remember my my grandmother was oddly fond of uh, fruitcake, and I'm not sure. So there was always some around her house, and I could never quite fathom why anyone would like this stuff. Oh well, that's the opposite. So I like fruitcake, and you like Brussels sprouts. Well, there we are. So I suppose if if we were gifted it, if you were, I was gifted Brussels sprouts, I would be able to re-gift them to you, and likewise to me with the fruitcake. I'm sure that uh, I will be your re-gifting buddy in that regard. For sure. <laughs> for sure. What do you think would be the strangest thing to see inside of a snow globe? Hmm. Yeah, yeah. What would be the show? Oh, I, I think it would be like a representation of the three wise men, and perhaps it would be like 
you know, Donald Trump, Joe Biden, and Justin Trudeau, you know, dressed as the three wise men. That would be quite 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 strange. It's all like Simpsons idea. That would be something like uh, you'd see on the Simpsons episode. That would be very strange. That would be particularly strange. I was going to say that the strangest thing would be like a live person inside of a snow globe because you, you see those every once in a while where they've got like these big giant fake snow globes and people go inside and have their picture taken. But so it's conceivable that we could put all of your three favorite politicians into that oh, snow globe for a, uh, as, as a Parliament Hill Christmas card for you. Yeah, yeah. They're, they're whilst wearing their their wise men outfits. Yeah, I think that would be yeah, that would be quite quite amusing. Yeah. And so with keeping the, the ideas of terrible thoughts in your mind, uh, what would be the worst thing to find in your Christmas stocking? Well, probably an orange because I, I, I never got that. Like it, what, this is a traditional thing apparently is that you put an, you put an orange in the, in the bottom of the Christmas stocking in the toe of the stocking. And I guess this goes back to the Dickensian era where people would regularly suffer from scurvy, even living in the midst of, of, of London. But the, for me, it just never made any sense. It's like, why would you put an orange in there as a Christmas present when I could just go to the fridge and get one? It, it always seemed to kind of puzzle me. What about you? What would be the, the, the worst thing? Thing for you to find in your Christmas stocking. Well, I was, I was thinking like a used band aid. Pretty horrible, you know. You'd have that in the in the bottom there, and you'd sort of put it, oh, like <laughs> the idea that somebody had actually been wearing the Christmas stockings with a you know, that would be rather un- unpleasant. But I suppose to go with your um, orange would be like a piece of coal, because that was the other thing that would be put in stockings: a piece of coal and. An orange, which I think is because people, they weren't as um, you know, common around for people to have as they are now. So it was like a bit of a bit of an exotic gift to give somebody an orange. And that's why they were there. And I suppose by the same logic, coal is now not as common as in, as uh, as they were then. So coal would be like an exotic gift to get in your in your Christmas stocking. I it would be, except, except so you'd, you'd have to be worried because Greta Thunberg might come after you or something because she'd found out that you had coal in your coal in your stocking. So you'd have to watch yourself. I think. Yeah, you probably would. You probably would. That's true. Well, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to take a short intermission break here for a moment. But when we come back from our advert break, we're going to answer some more difficult workplace Christmas questions. Talk to you soon. Okay, this is going to be a different kind of ad. One of our clients wants to do the pitch for us. That client is Dean Jetson, who's operations manager at Volker Seven Highways. Dean was a guest on our podcast in episode number 36. And at the end of his interview... He surprised us by telling our listeners just what he thought of our work. Russ and Ken, I appreciate the work your team does with managing difficult workplace conversations. Volker Steven has had the pleasure of going through that a few times now. And I know some other parts of our companies are also engaging that with yourselves and Blue Gym. And just for the audience's information, we know in a work environment, it goes without saying that there's different views and perspectives out there. And agreements, disagreements, conflicts, etc., are going to take place. And, and what we've really benefited from, from the work your team does, is that you address these conflicts or disagreements. You work with the company, you address their specific conflicts and disagreements, and you make it a real-life setting by bringing actors and mediating and keeping that context going and the discussions going. So it prepares our leaders in Volker Steven and others in the leadership role to be ready for these conversations when they do take place. So really appreciate the work you gentlemen do as well in your team. 
We had no idea that Dean was going to say that, but we're really glad that he did. For years, Ken and I have been leading these workshops on how to navigate difficult workplace conversations. Because we use live actors to play your difficult employee, customer, supplier, or boss, it's as close to the real thing as you can get without having the real problematic individuals in the office with you. And let me tell you, it's a whole lot psychologically safer. If you'd like to find out more about our live workshops or our online courses, then head on over to INeedToEffingTalkToYou.com. And now, back to the episode. Welcome back to the I Need to Effing Talk To Christmas special of our podcast. We're speaking today with ourselves, and we're going through some Christmas holiday icebreaker questions. Now, these are a list of questions that you can use to break the ice at any one of your office Christmas parties. So we're going to post these questions on LinkedIn in the coming weeks uh, so that, or sorry, in the coming days of the weeks leading up to Christmas, so that as you're going through those ubiquitous Christmas holiday parties, you can have a few things in your quiver to be able to get some conversation started. So Russell, why don't you kick us off with our second batch of questions? Okay, so Ken, what is your favorite holiday joke? Oh, this is a challenging question. I'm not sure that I have a favorite holiday joke. Okay, I've got one. I've got one because it just came across my feed recently. So Santa is having a really bad Christmas Eve as he's trying to get everything ready to go out for Christmas Eve. There, the, uh, the half of the elves are sick with the flu. So he's really behind on the Christmas production and he's got some really kind of crappy presents that he's trying to load into the sleigh. Um, some of the reindeer are down with dysentery. So he's got like only half of his herd together in the, in the sleigh. So he knows it's going to take longer. Um, Mrs. Claus is also down with the flu because she'd been fraternizing with the elves. So he's trying to get all of his, all of his dinner together before he goes out. And he's just kind of rushing back and forth. He's got muddy boot prints all over the living room floor. And he's just cursing a blue streak when suddenly there's a knock at the door and he goes to the door. And there on the other side of the door is this angel. And the angel says, hi, Santa, I brought you your Christmas tree. Where would you like me to stick it? And that, ladies and gentlemen, is the beginning of the tradition of the angel on top of the Christmas tree. Oh, very good. Very good. (laughs) All right. Now, I don't know if I can compete with that, but here we go. What do you call an elf wearing earmuffs? I give up. Anything you like. They can't hear you. Very clever, very clever. Santa in his rushing around would be happy with that one, I'm sure. Yeah. What's your favorite bad holiday movie, Russell? Oh, well, I struggle with this because I'm not really bad. I'm not a great holiday movie lover, but I do enjoy uh, family. We always have Die Hard is a movie, and but it's not a bad movie. So we'll just have to say uh, favorite holiday movie. Always watch Die Hard. Mm, right. That's a good one. That's a good one. I'm my in that case, since we're not going to talk about favorite bad holiday movie, I would say that one of my favorite holiday traditions is It's a Wonderful Life. I watched that movie every Christmas for like decades. But then when I got married to my wife, her favorite holiday movie is White Christmas with Bing Crosby. And so we watch that one now instead on Christmas Day. So I would say that's a really good one. But in terms of bad holiday movies, there's there's that 
that series of animated um, claymation Christmas movies that uh, Christmas specials that like go all the way back to like the early 1960s that are um, I loved them as a kid. But when I watch them now, they really, truly are bad. Oh, yeah. Well, that's all. it could be something like the Hallmark Channel has a whole load of Christmas movies, which all seem to be the same. So if you want more like a corny Christmas movie, then probably the Hallmark Channel, you can go and watch all of them on there, like wall to wall for a month. No, we shouldn't malign the um, Hallmark Christmas special. There's um, one of our previous guests, an actor that we often work with in our workshop named Peter Rumpel. You'll find him in our archives way back in one of our earlier episodes. Um, He has a friend from the Calgary area who was an aspiring filmmaker, and he was working in the industry as like second AD, and he was slowly working his way up. And his big break came from those um, Hallmark holiday Christmas specials. And he did a number of those and he got really good at them. But those were a really good place for a young director to cut their teeth. Because one of the issues around those, those Hallmark films is they, they make a lot of them. And they, as a result, they have to make them really fast. So you, as a director, get really good at planning, execution, and the whole logistics of filmmaking, which is really what filmmaking is all about. It's less about artistry than it is about, like, you know, almost military-grade logistics. And that's where a lot of, um, or at least this gentleman, anyway, came up through the ranks and cut his teeth. And now he's actually moving on into better and, and, and bigger um, Hollywood films. So, so let's give the, the Hallmark movies a break. Okay, okay. So if I have to watch one, I will not watch the story, but I will admire the logistics behind it from behind the camera. Listen, don't even do that. They're probably not worth it. Just like put it on, turn the sound off just to give just to give the guy his residual his residual payments. Okay, that 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 sounds that sounds good. So so Ken, what is your guilty pleasure if it's not Hallmark movies, what is it? Eggnog. Eggnog, with or without rum, usually with, but uh, yeah, that's my guilty pleasure. I mean, I know that most people consider it to be foul stuff, and, and I kind of do too, but I will give myself one, maybe even two glasses of eggnog with rum over the Christmas season. Well, I, I'd, I'd have to go with mince pies, because I do like mince pies, which is offer, offer for, again, for our uh, North American listeners, tend to be known as fruit pies. There's got a bit of confusion when you say mince pies, because they think mince meats, but no. Uh, mince mince pies, which are uh, like a fruit pie, very popular in another country. And why is this to be? Why is this your guilty pleasure? Is it is it because it's like too fattening? You mean, well, yeah, or is because it, it mean, tastes? You, 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 no, 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 really, they're really, really, you know, nice. But yeah, you probably wouldn't eat, want to eat too many of them. You know, they're they're very very rich. Um, often have some alcohol in them, or used to homemade ones. And, um, pastry and stuff like this so you wouldn't you wouldn't want to be having one or two maybe over the christmas period but yeah if you're sitting eating three boxes full it probably wouldn't be good for you hmm. okay got it got it so with our um christmas traditions in mind um and that dickensian era of scrooge um do you have a holiday scrooge moment you'd be prepared to share Ken? I'm, I, I can be a bit of a Scrooge at Christmas sometimes because I really insist on um, not putting up Christmas decorations in November. 
I really won't put them up until even December. And in fact, this year I was really scroogey about it. I refused to put up Christmas decorations until it actually snowed. And it didn't actually snow until this past weekend. And I swear to you, it was not just sheer laziness on my part because we don't actually have that many Christmas decorations to put up. We have a small house. So it wasn't like it was that onerous a task. It took me all of 45 minutes to put out all of the Christmas decorations, including the lights. But I just really didn't feel in the Christmas spirit until there was actually some snow that had fallen. What about yourself, Russell? What's your Scrooge moment? Yeah, I, I, I didn't think of any particular joint. I, I the strange thing was, was an obsession with picking up all of the uh, Christmas wrapping paper and putting it in the garbage before the kids had even finished opening stuff. Though there was always laugh about that. The dad at Christmas Day is always me sitting there with a black plastic sack where I'd wait for them to unwrap something and then put the garbage straight into the into the black bag. So um, that might count as being a sort of Scrooge moment um, or just being a sort of sad dad moment. I don't know. But with that, uh, with that in mind, and do you have a never again holiday story? Is there anything anything disastrous happened, or well, perhaps it was funny at the time afterwards, but you wouldn't want to go through it again? Well, what's your never again holiday story? Probably driving to my relative's house through a blizzarding snowstorm. You know, I think now we're at the uh, I'm at the age where I'm like, you know, if the weather's that bad, I'm just gonna call. Or zoom in for Christmas and just say, wish I could be there, but it's really not safe to drive in this kind of weather. It's particularly worse in, um, I mean, I grew up in southwestern uh, Ontario, which is surrounded by three of the Great Lakes. And so the, the, the weather would just kind of blow in through that part of Ontario. And it was, you know, just kind of in the snow belt, they called it. So trying to drive up to my relative's uh, place, which was in the midst of the snow belt out in rural Ontario, it could be a bit of a nightmare. And of course, there's no garage stations open. So if you did have an accident or you did, um, um, uh, you know, broke an axle or, or had a flat tire or anything, you were kind of screwed because there was, there was no place to stop. And there, there weren't that many people on the road to stop and help you either. So it was always a bit dangerous. So that's my never again holiday story. What about yourself? Yeah, yeah, I, I, it would be waiting uh, three hours for Christmas dinner that was late um, because a, a certain individual who was bringing some key elements to the Christmas meal um, turned up three hours late, um, and then it was cold. Um, and it was a pretty mournful experience, I must admit. I will leave out the names of the guilty parties um, so that I don't sue me, but um, yeah, there was. I, I would not want to relive that. It, was, it really took a bit of a dampener off of the whole idea of, hey, we've got a Christmas dinner and everyone's together, and then everybody sat waiting for one individual to arrive late, very late, and then what they brought was all cold. So uh, it was pretty, pretty, <laughs> pretty, pretty mournful time. I must admit. Hmm. What's the strangest thing that you've ever used or seen somebody else use for wrapping paper? Um, it would have to be bathroom tissue. Yeah, I not bathroom me. tissue. It wasn't me. It wasn't me. That wasn't my Scrooge moment. That wasn't me. But I had seen yeah, a present wrapped up in bathroom tissue. That feels really inventive. If you were really stuck without any kind of wrapping paper and you were really kind of behind and you were like, oh, we're going to go to the party. We got to do something. That would, there would certainly be a, a story for the ages and certainly be a talking point. But was this in your experience, was this actually like intentional or was it like a, a last ditch effort as I've described? Uh, I think it was a last ditch effort of somebody who bought the present late on Christmas Eve 
had got hammered down the pub Christmas Eve and then woke up on Christmas morning and that's the only thing that they could wrap up this present in. <laughs> that, that, that's what it that's what it was as they handed it over with a hangover so that was it yeah 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 the hangover was the was the great wrapping uh, no doubt for sure right uh, yeah. I, I you know i kind of can't quite picture i certainly can't picture anything to top that story i can't quite picture anything that would suit that but i do my dad has a story which probably fits with the re-gifting story um rather than the wrapping story but um i, I probably mentioned my my i grew up on a farm and my um dad was born in the 1938 so so when he was in his teens, it was in the middle, sorry, not in his teens, when he was in his childhood, it was, it was still in the middle of World War II. Um, they were, they, it was a poor farming family. They didn't have electricity. They didn't have a telephone line. They didn't have a tractor. They just used, used horses. And there was the, there came this one particular Christmas when he was around five or six and the family didn't have any money and his father couldn't buy him a Christmas present. But Christmas morning, he wakes up and his father takes him down to the barn. And there in the barn is his own sled. But it's been repainted and sanded and revarnished lovingly and with great care. And I thought that while it wasn't a uh, wrapping, it was really kind of a regifting story. But, you know, the wrapping might have just been that fresh coat of paint, I might say. And it's kind of hardly the, uh, you know, the, the worst of the strangest story. It's a bit of a heartwarming story, really. You can kind of imagine the, the son who didn't think he was going to get any present, and then he gets his, his revamped, souped-up sled instead. Yeah, which I think that leads us on to our, our next question, which is, if we were to be honest, is it really the thought that counts? Um, and that story that you just told, Ken, I think, is a, an illustration where perhaps it does because – you know, his, his father had taken the time to, to get the sled and, 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 you know, sort of revamp it so it was all sort of souped up and new for him at a time when perhaps things weren't as plentiful as they are for us now. But with that, putting that nice heartfelt story aside, would you honestly think uh, the thought that counts? Yes or, yes or no? Yeah, I do think it is. I do think it is the thought that counts. And it's, um, you know, growing up, Christmas was a very uh, imp- uh, special time of year for my family. It's less so now that my sister's passed away. So it's got, you know, kind of more complicated emotions around it. Um, and I live further away, so I'm not always home for Christmas. So again, it's got those complicated emotions around it. But when I am home for Christmas, as I will be this year, the thing that really stands out for me is those times with that family. And those times do feel precious to me because as my parents are aging, as my aunts and uncles are aging, as I think about my sister who passed away, I really do feel that it is the the thought that counts. And then this is not a new thing for me. It's often been the case for me. I remember even over when I was old enough to buy my own Christmas presents, I put a lot of thought and care into it. So as much as I pretend to be a Christmas curmudgeon, Christmas remains a, a special and favorite family time of the year for me. And it's less so as now about the material presence and much more so about the, 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 that, that quiet, reflective time with family. Yeah, I think you uh, you put that uh, put that nicely there, Ken. I think uh, in a in a material age, it's not what you've bought somebody or what you've been given, but uh, often the the thought behind it. And some of the nicest gifts that you can have are um, are the simplest ones that aren't necessarily anything to uh, that people didn't spend lots and lots of money on, but it was something they'd obviously thought very carefully about um, and have given to somebody. So I think that's a nice point there, Ken. I've got a, we've got our uh, our audience all being very thoughtful at the moment in listening to that. So we come to our final question: What's the most controversial Christmas opinion that you have? 
I might suggest that the most controversial Christmas opinion I have is that I might be one of the few who agree that it's not appropriate to wish everyone a Merry Christmas. That instead, we should use some other alternative forms, such as the more neutral happy holidays. And I say this because, you know, as as my country, Canada, becomes increasingly a country of new Canadians, people who come from different religions and different cultural backgrounds, and also as our age becomes increasingly secular, then and also as as people as we recognize that people have different and sometimes traumatic uh, family backgrounds, where Christmas may be a time of uh, fueled by alcohol and maybe potential period of violence, that Christmas is not a happy time for everyone. So we might find that wishing people a Merry Christmas can be triggering for some. It can be exclusionary for others. It can not recognize other people's different cultural backgrounds or religious backgrounds. So I find that it's, uh, I, I feel increasingly comfortable wishing people a happy holidays or season's greetings rather than simply saying Merry Christmas. And I know that's a controversial opinion for many, that many people feel that, no, it's Christmas. It's a Christian holiday. I'm a Christian. I'm going to espouse or share my religious holiday wishes on others, uh, you know, regardless of other people's religion, because that's mine and that's my background and it's a wish that's coming from me. I mean, I can recognize that opinion, but I, I feel that it's exclusionary rather than inclusionary. And I'm all about inclusion. Yeah. What about yourself, Russell? What's your controversial Christmas opinion? Yeah, I mean, I mean, I, on, on that try, I, 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 I'm, I'm sort of the opposite to you. I'm somebody that wishes people a Merry Christmas because I think you buy if, if everybody shares in their own special day, whether whichever you know background that might be, that's not a that's not a bad thing. That's what I see as inclusion. It's not as if it's telling people they you, they have to celebrate it. And so I don't. Um, but I do get your, I do get your point. But in terms of my controversial Christmas opinion, it's the fact that a lot of Christmas traditions um, are are not Christian. They're 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 adopted um, from pagan traditions, so they're not really Christmas traditions. Um, so some of the things that we might um, think about as Christmas, and obviously there um, we've sort of added them on, would be things like you know mistletoe and wreaths and even uh, gift giving. Has its origins from from pagan times, and dare I say, even the idea that Santa actually takes its um, uh, origins potentially from uh, um, Nordic and Northern European um, origins, and so it wasn't something that was you know, we say celebrated with Christmas and, and celebrated with Christianity. Well, not not a lot of them aren't so. Uh, yeah, it's interesting. Even our traditions are melded together from different cultures over the years. Hmm. Mm-hmm. No, that's very true. So, and as as in the idea that 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 Christmas is uh, so rooted in Christianity is something that is that, that you're putting the putting the lie to, so to speak. So that's a that's a great point. I appreciate that. Can you tell us where any of those come from? Do you know where mistletoe comes from? Do you know where any of those uh, other Christmas traditions come from? The tree or any of those other things? Yeah, they're, 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 well, my understanding is they're main they're mainly Nordic and Northern European. So you know, you know Viking, Saxon sort of traditions. Uh, that would be having from northern Northern Europe and Scandinavia, and they were just added on um, sometime a long time ago because of the you know pagan festivals at the same time of the year, which then partly got sort of melded into Christian 
um, festivals as well. Perhaps that was you know back in the day as a way of uh, easing people into a new religion was to keep some of the traditions that people recognised from older religions. And then some, I think, were just were just added in, in much later days. I think the idea of the Christmas tree wasn't until something was um, much later on. Um, so yeah, um, and that's another thing where I think you know people can um, take part in that because that doesn't. Although the you know, the origins of Christmas are around Christianity, people can take part in in Christmas and certain aspects of it because they aren't Christian things at all. You know, having a Christmas tree or a Christmas wreath. Or gift giving is not is not strictly a Christian thing, so we can still be inclusive of people. And I think the story of mistletoe comes from the uh, Norse mythology of the death of Balder. I think Balder was the brother to Thor and Loki, and uh, was the most beautiful of the Viking gods, and everybody loved him, and everybody. Um, uh, uh, worship Balder. He was like a, kind of the life of the party and he was uh, the most beautiful creature. Um, of course, Loki, the trickster god, didn't like Balder. And the mother of the gods knew all of this. So she meticulously went around the earth and asked every living thing to swear an oath that it would not harm her son, Balder. And she got through everything on earth, but she was getting really tired by the end. And she saw this little sprig of mistletoe and figured, well, the mistletoe, it's small, it's harmless. I, I'll, I'll just skip that. And she went back to the uh, Christmas celebration. And over the Christmas celebration, you know, everybody having heard the story was, you know, it became like the fun Christmas game to throw rocks at um, Balder and it would just bounce off of him and they wouldn't hurt him or they'd take a spear and throw it at Balder and it would like, you know, um, embed itself in him and he would just pull it out and he would be completely unharmed. And, you know, this was, this became the great joke. And they would they would like drink lots and do all of the um and you know play with trying to kill Balder and fail. But Loki got this great idea, so he snuck out and he grabbed the little sprig of of mistletoe and he put it on the end of the spear and then handed it to one of the other gods. And she took the spear and she threw it at Balder. And of course, with the sprig of mistletoe in the end, it pierced Balder's heart and he died. And Balder died. But then, of course, being gods, he the next spring he just popped up again. And they went through the whole ritual all over again every Christmas. So I think that's where the story of mistletoe comes from, or at least does so in my imagination. No, well, they, 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 could, they, they could be, and would have a. Uh, what would be? What would? What would the Christmas spirit be without an idea of? Throwing a spear at somebody or something like that. Exactly, right? I mean, you know, they are Vikings we're talking about. But, you know, you can kind of see here how the, how those stories kind of get conflated Absolutely. in the sense that we're talking about the resurrection of Balder and Christmas is about, um, you know, the uh, the Christ figure, which is a, a story of resurrection. So you can see how these how how these um, stories begin to merge and how they, uh, you know, as, as like, well, if we're going to adopt Christianity into our culture, let's make sure we save some of our existing stories. So you can kind of see how those those ideas start to merge. Yeah, yeah, for, for for sure, and I suppose as we uh, you know move into that that Christmas period, that's a, a thought for us going forward. As our, our societies are now more of a mix of different you know ideas, concepts. You know, there's a there's a way of being able to sort of put it all together and still have some um, cohesion, which I suppose is what we're we're looking for. So, right. well, that has been an, an interesting. Um, gallop through a range some uh, more serious towards the end some more jovial beforehand of some of our christmas questions so i hope listeners you've enjoyed our christmas special 
Um, maybe have your answers ready for what you would say to those particular questions. And remember, as Ken said, we will post uh, some of these on um, social media leading up to uh, this episode being released so you can check it out. As always, feel free to share the details for this um, podcast with your colleagues and friends. And don't worry, if you were looking forward to saying when will it be our guests again and not just Ken and Russell themselves, um, we will be welcoming guests back in the new year um, for our uh, next season of episodes. Have a happy holidays, everyone. And we look forward to chatting with you again in the new year. And a Merry Christmas. Goodbye.